this morning I would like for us to begin a series on the doctrine of repentance. The doctrine of repentance. I'd like for us to do an introduction uh, today and then in the coming Sundays we will flesh out what it means uh, to repent or what repentance entails. So what we're going to do this morning is we will establish why it is important to study this, um, this particular matter and then we will, uh, we, we will look at what repentance is not. I'm going to begin by telling you what it is not before I tell you what it is. So the first thing, the first thing that we will look at as we consider the this doctrine of repentance is why why study this? Why is it important for us to study? Even though shortly for just a month, what repentance is all about? Now consider with me that the word repentance. In today's church is either hated or said a few times you know this means that the preacher is would be working hard not to say the word repentance or it is never mentioned at all so, so <clears throat> in today's church very rarely will you get into church and hear the word repentance. People have gone to to church buildings for years and they have heard nothing of repentance unto salvation. Now, if you are honest, the term or the word repentance makes us feel it makes us feel bad, makes us feel uncomfortable. It brings out the idea that something is wrong. It brings out the idea that something wrong has been done and it should be confessed and forsaken. So, so it's not a very comfortable word to use. And in our society, anything that would make you feel bad or uh, uncomfortable is frowned upon. People don't want to feel bad about anything. Hmm? People don't want negative energy. As is popular today. People want good vibes and positive energy. While the word repentance seems to fly in our face. Seems to, to fly in the face of the sinner. Um, so we are going to study this matter because the two graces in Christianity that, that, that form this thing that we call the Christian uh, uh, faith is faith and repentance or repentance and faith so, so we are studying this because it's, it's, it's part of those two great graces in Christianity Thomas Watson says of faith and repentance quote these are two wings by which he flies to heaven this is the Christian Faith and repentance preserve the spiritual life just as heat and radical moisture 
preserve the natural so that there is no spiritual life without uh, uh, faith and repentance. Therefore, you, you cannot become a Christian without repentance. Right? You can't become a Christian without repentance. It's foundational. It's that the beginning of what it means for us to be Christians. And you cannot remain a Christian without repentance. You can't remain a Christian without repentance. Martin Luther in his 95 Thesis, number one, he says, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. End quote. And so, we can't become Christians without repenting and we can't continue in the faith without repentance. It's an absolutely important matter and subject that we are seeking to delve in this month. We may plan, you know, another time to talk about faith, but we will be considering the matter of repentance this month. Now you see, repentance acts as a cleansing agent. Um, so we are considering this because it acts as a cleansing agent because of sin man is separated from God but then repentance is like that medicine that comes to assure the patient that they will get well when we have true repentance we can be sure that God will forgive right for it carries with it faith in the saviour True repentance uh, carries with it faith, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, deep and godly sorrow for sin. And this grants hope and life. Hope and life. So we are considering this because we may die tomorrow. We may die tomorrow. And therefore, we need to repent today. We need repentance today. This this very minute. So we are considering this because it is part of those two great graces of Christianity, repentance and faith. Um, we are considering this because it is a cleansing agent. The life of the Christian is that of continual repentance. And so it's a, it's a thing that we ought to be doing every time, every now and then. We are considering this because of the witness of Scripture. So let's consider a couple of passages from God's Word. There are many passages on repentance. You wonder how, how you can sit in church Sunday after Sunday and not hear about repentance. While the Scripture is full of witness, full of men, the mentioning of Repent, repentance unto life, bearing fruit in keeping with repentance, and, and so on and so forth. So, so what I'm going to do is, I will consider the Gospels and the Acts. But then you have the word repentance all over the scriptures from the Old and the New Testament scriptures. Go with me to Matthew chapter 3. This, this is the great reason 
why we are considering this that the scriptures witnessed to it in an unmistakable way Matthew chapter 3 and this is the ministry of John the Baptist in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and what, what is he preaching? repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand And so, you see, the hallmark of the ministry of John the Baptist was that of repentance. Repent. Now, uh, the Repentance and Holiness Movement has such a beautiful name to it that those who would like to see God are very attracted to such language, Repentance and Holiness. But then you quickly realize that they completely misunderstand what it means to repent because of how they conduct themselves, especially towards the so-called mightiest prophet. Um, repentance is characteristic of the true minister of God's word. You consider the, the prophets and you will see that. Consider the <clears throat> apostles and you will see that. And this right here is John the Baptist who is preparing the way for the Messiah. And he preaches the way his master will preach. Repent. Repentance. Chapter 4 of Matthew. We have John, who has been arrested, um, and Jesus is now going to begin his ministry. And then in verse 17 of Matthew chapter 4, we read, from that time, Jesus began to preach. And what does he begin with? Saying, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so even the ministry of our Lord himself begins like this. He tells uh, men and women, boys and girls to repent. To turn from their sins. To come to him. Because the kingdom of God is here now. Because he is here now. He has come. He's telling people, come to me. The way you do that is first and foremost by repenting. Repent of your sins. Go to the gospel according to Mark. The next book. You may, you may know this verse. Mark chapter 1 verse 15. Jesus is he again being described as beginning his ministry and you know mark mark is uh, <clears throat> the gospel of mark is characterized with um uh, quick pointed um uh, direct statements he says immediately um he is moving from one point to another telling us what unfolded in the uh, uh, in the life and ministry of our lord jesus christ in verse 14 he says, Now after John was arrested, 
Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe in the gospel now please um, observe that people in this age want you to be like Jesus right they want you to preach like Jesus but you quickly realize that they they don't know they don't even know how Jesus preached because they have a Jesus of their own making they have this distorted view of Jesus Christ because very quickly in the word of god immediately you open the pages of the new testament you see the ministry of our lord jesus christ and the very first thing that he tells people when he begins to preach is repent the kingdom of god is here now repent and so when someone tells you to preach to them like jesus you tell them what repent tell them to repent of their sins and to believe in him chapter 6 of mark mark chapter 6 verse 12 Let's, let's read from verse 7. This is Jesus now um, sending out his disciples. And the Bible says, And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over their unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except the, a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their, uh, in their, in their belts, but to wear sandals and uh, not... and not put on two tunics and he said to them whenever you enter a house stay there until you depart from there and if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them verse 12 so they went out and proclaimed that people should do what that people should repent and so <clears throat> the witness uh, the, the, the 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 witness here of the apostles um is that men should repent repent um, and this is what characterizes their ministry as well they go out they proclaim like their master did repentance repent go to the next gospel luke luke chapter 3 it's very hard to open the pages of the new testament and not see that um repentance is absolutely important Luke chapter 3 verse 
let's let's begin with verse three. Let me read from verse one. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Ituria, and Trachonitis, and Lysanas, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, John, John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness, and he went into all the region. You see, the word of God comes to John, and he, and he, and he went into all the region around the, the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Jump to verse 7. He, he said therefore to the, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Verse 8. Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. So that even those that would think of themselves as the people of God, like the Pharisees did, they must repent. They must repent. They must bear fruit in keeping with that grace that we call repentance. Chapter 5. Look. Verse 32. Verse 29, and Levi made, made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and, the scri- and, and their scribes grumbled at his, uh, at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance, that they may turn from their sins and turn to me. I've not, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, this is, this is the hallmark of the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is, how, this is how the prophets who come before him preach. And this is how the apostles who are left by him continue to preach. Repentance unto life. Chapter 24 of Luke. Again, I'm, 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 I'm just showing you why it is important for us to consider this matter. Why we must not only consider this matter of repentance or study it, but repent ourselves. Luke 24. Verse 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I have spoken to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise 
from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And then he tells them there in verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. This, this is what I have proclaimed to you. These are my words that I have spoken to you. Go therefore and proclaim the same to the world. You are my witnesses. You are witnesses to these same things. Let's go to the Acts. The Acts of the Apostles. So the, the, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ looks like this. The ministry of the Apostles is the same. It's not any different. Acts chapter 2, that famous sermon. Peter preaches that the Holy Spirit has come upon the disciples. Uh, people have gathered to marvel at this that is happening. And then Peter takes the opportunity to proclaim the word of God there. And then one of the instruments that enables sinners to repent is the word of God. What's the other instrument that enables people to repent? The first one is the word of God. What's the other instrument? The Holy Spirit. And so the word of God is proclaimed, the Holy Spirit convicts. And so in verse 37 we read, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, see what Peter says to them? Immediately, the first thing he says is repent. It's, it's, it's not come to our, our gatherings, eh? continue coming to our fellowship. Uh, it's, it's repent now and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You see how that repentance is absolutely necessary. It's, it's one of those, those wings as Thomas Watson calls them, those wings that fly the saint to heaven, the other one being faith in Jesus Christ. Um, for us to be forgiven, we must repent. We must turn away from our sins and turn to Jesus Christ. Chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Verse 17. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Verse 19. Repent therefore. Again, this is an instance where there is someone who has been healed and then people are marveling at this and then Peter takes the opportunity to preach. And what does he do? He tells them to repent. He gives them the Lord Jesus Christ, the righteous one, the one whom they crucified, the one who, whom God raised from the dead and uh, uh, all the promises of, of God are fulfilled in him and then he says because of this now repent repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out the way our sins are removed the way, our, the way we are cleansed the way we are washed is by repentance by turning back from sin turning away from sin and turning to the Lord Jesus Christ Chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, 
verse um, 27. <clears throat> and when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior. To do what? To give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Brethren, this is very important. This is of utmost importance. The place that the scriptures uh, give repentance cannot be overlooked. Such an important matter that uh, a church that does not uh, proclaim repentance may as well not be a church of Christ. Because this was the hallmark of his ministry and the ministry of the apostles. Chapter 8 few more just a few more acts chapter 8 we have the instance where simon the magician seemed to have repented it seemed as though he had uh, had repented of his sins But then we read in um, in verse twenty. Um, but Peter said to him, "May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent." Therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that if possible, the, in, the, the, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. You see, Simon is a magician. He thinks that he has, you know, he mesmerizes people with these m- magical deeds. Uh, but then, uh, here comes the apostles, and they bear the power of God. And they lay their hands on people, and they speak in tongues and, and, and Simon marvels at this. And that right there exposes his heart. He thinks that he could, he could buy the power of God with money. And Peter t- tells him, you must repent. You know, not come to my school and I will teach you how to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. No, it's repent because you think that you can buy the power of God with money. Repentance is absolutely important as you see it there. Chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. verse 30 chapter 17 and verse 30 the times of ignorance God overlooked but now he commands all people everywhere to repent 
Paul tells Timothy that all who call upon the name of the Lord must depart from iniquity. They must turn from sin and turn to Christ. God commands all people everywhere to repent. To repent. You wonder how you can be a Christian minister and not tell people to repent. Of repentance. Both the unbeliever and the believer, they need to repent. It's all people everywhere that need to repent. Because God has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man who has appointed. So that repentance is that turning from sin and turning to that man that God has appointed. When we do that, we have true repentance. Chapter 19. Paul is in Ephesus now. Um, and he comes and um, he is asking these people into what they have been baptized. In verse 4 we read, and Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. So, so, while John was telling people to repent, he was at the same time pointing them to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was telling them to believe in the one who was to come after him, the Lord Jesus Christ. So that repentance must be proclaimed, my brethren. You must repent. And as you listen to me this morning, realize that you must repent. You must repent now and every day of your life you must be found repenting you must be found seeking forgiveness from god for the sins that you have committed we 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 must how can we live the christian life without repenting how can anyone be converted come to christ without repenting the moment the spirit of god grants regeneration the moment they wake up the first thing they do is they repent they confess their sins and they, they vow to turn from them. Chapter 20. A few more. Just a few more. Chapter 20, verse 21. Then we'll consider chapter 26 and we'll finish. Paul is... He's, he's speaking to the Ephesian elders. He's going to leave them. Um, let's read from verse 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the, the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and, and teaching you in public and from house to house, verse 21, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of what? 
of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. See, when Paul wants to encapsulate all that he has brought to these people, the whole counsel of God, he says, I did not shrink from bringing to you this very important graces of Christianity. Repentance and faith. Repentance is there. That you must repent, you must turn away from your sins and turn to Christ. Repentance must be proclaimed in every true Christian church. It's important because the witness of Scripture grants us this. And lastly, chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. Acts 26 verse 12. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, Paul is now speaking to, I believe this is King Agrippa. <clears throat> He says, At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in, in, in the Hebrew language, Soul, soul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the gods. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things, to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. See that in verse 18? Look at verse 19. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared fast to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, then and, and, then, uh, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. See that language in verse 18. He says, He says that he's he has been sent to open the, the, the eyes of, of the, the, the Jews and the Gentiles that they may receive forgiveness of sins. And the way we receive forgiveness of sins is by repenting. Then he says, He's declared to those who are in Jerusalem, He's declared to all uh, who are in the region of Judea. <clears throat> 
He declared to the Gentiles that they should repent. This is the commission that Jesus gives him while on the road to Damascus. Having been saved himself, uh, turning from his sins and turning to Christ, he has been commissioned to tell others of the same repentance. Now, are we going to be a faithful church if we do not proclaim repentance? If we do not ourselves repent and proclaim repentance to others? By no means. No. We can't be a faithful church of Christ if this thing is not clear in our minds. If we do not repent ourselves and if we do not tell others to repent. So that we tell sinners to turn from their sins. We must not shy from telling people to repent. Jesus did not not shy from telling people to repent. The apostles did not. You can go look, look up the word repentance and you will see the witness of the Old Testament scriptures as well. The prophets did not shy from doing this. I mean, we could, we could stay here for a long time if I were to open to you all the passages that talk of repentance. This is an absolutely important matter. So we are considering this because repentance is part of those two great graces in Christianity. The other one being faith. We are considering this because repentance is that cleansing agent that cleanses us from sin. Because it is through repentance that we, that, that we commit ourselves to turn from sin and to turn to Christ. And we are considering this because of the witness of Scripture. It is overwhelming, my brethren. The Word of God is full of commands, calls upon calls, to you and I to repent, to the world to repent, to all who call upon the name of God to repent, all people everywhere to repent. So we must be found repenting. Now let's quickly consider what repentance is not. So just finished considering why are we studying this doctrine of repentance. Then number two, like for us, today to consider what repentance is not before we look at what it is next week let's be sure what repentance is not here we will look at false repentance what uh, what false repentance looks like how does counterfeit repentance look like because it is possible to have fake or a false kind of repentance number one Repentance is not being terrified. Repentance is not being terrified. When one is terrified, um, they may be terrified because of their evils. And when they are, they may turn from them, but temporarily. because of the terror that they are going through at the moment. So when one is terrified because of his evils, he may turn from them, but the turning may be temporary, only because he feels terrified. Once the terror is gone, once the terror has been removed, he goes back to his sins. Hmm? 
<clears throat> take for example the thief who is about to steal someone's belongings there are different kinds of thieves so take 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 the example of a burglar you know you know a burglar burglar the one who the one who comes when everyone is asleep gets in quietly takes things you wake up in the morning everything is gone now imagine a burglar has gotten into someone's house they have this mask all their clothes are black they can't be seen they steal the first day they steal the second day the, the third day they steal the owner of the house realizes this is this is not good now here in Kenya we don't have uh, we don't have right to guns so having a gun is illegal but we can have all sorts of other weapons like pangas here in Meru uh, rungus uh, we, we can have all sorts of other weapons so assume the person lives in Meru they have a panga they have sharpened it they have prepared themselves they've said the um jamamin i'm going to prepare myself tonight i'm not sleeping i'll wait for them so the thief comes in quietly maybe they have a spare key they get into the house they you know scan and see everyone is asleep then they are usually coming with a bag so they start putting things in the in the bag and the owner comes and finds them lifts uh, uh places the panga the machete on their shoulder and tells them to stop what they are doing tells them to kneel down and you you know the terror that the the panga can bring eh if it is sharp if it is big enough you know the terror that it can bring to that thief and the thief may may say that they will never come there again they never steal again if only they are let free they will repent they will say that they will turn from that thievery unfortunately my brethren repentance does not look like that it's not that being terrified because we have been found out because our sin has been exposed pain is pain in sin is not equivalent to true repentance judas was troubled when he realized his sin but he did not truly repent look at matthew chapter 27 Matthew 27 from verse 1 there <clears throat> we read Then when Judas his betrayer saw that Jesus was condemned so so Judas realizes what he has done The Bible says he changed his mind He it's as though he regrets the King James uh, renders it he repented He changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders saying I have sinned 
by betraying innocent blood. And then he, the, 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 um, the elders, the elders tell them, what are you talking about? What is this to us now? And then he throws down the pieces of silver, goes and hangs himself. You see, Judas did not have true repentance. He was not stricken by the magnitude of his sin so that he turns from it. Judas realizes that he has done something bad. And then he now, he now seeks to cover it up by returning the money as though that will uh, 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 alleviate what is done. Repentance, my brethren, is not being terrified. Thomas Watson says here, quote, It is one thing to be a terrified sinner and another to be a repenting sinner. Sense of guilt is enough to breed terror. Infusion of grace breeds repentance. End quote. You may be guilty and that guilt comes with it terror. Terror for your sins. But that does not mean that you have true repentance. Repentance depends upon a change of heart more than, it, more than it does the terrors that come with sin. You may have been terrified to death, but if your heart is not changed, if you do not see sin for what it truly is, you will not have true repentance. One may be terrified, but then not have a change of heart. You may be terrified of the consequences. But you, you don't but you don't quite see sin for what it is. So that if if only the consequence would be removed, you'd continue in your sin. Many young ladies are not repentant because they do not sleep around. Not because sleeping around is sinful. But why? They are terrified of the thought of pregnancy. That's not true repentance. Right? You can't say that they are, they are really repent, repentant. They are, re, they are really staying away from that sin because they have understood the magnitude of it, the sinfulness of it, the, the clinching of its fist, fist against God. No, it's not that. It's that they are terrified. So then they, they stay away from it. That's not true repentance. Number two, repentance is not making vows against sin. It's not making vows against sin. So number one, repentance is not being terrified. Number two, repentance is not making vows against sin. One may make so many vows about how they will never repeat what, whatever sin it is that they have, uh, that they have done. People make vows, resolutions, and go back on them. Because this is not what entails true repentance. Again, what entails true repentance is a change of heart. It's not these periphery things that are done in the process. So that it is not being terrified, it is, it is not making many vows against sin 
The Israelites did the same, but they still sinned, right? They still vowed not to sin, but they, they, they still sinned. People make all sorts of promises to God in their deathbed. Hmm? One, is at be- uh, one is at the hospital. They are laying on the bed, almost dying. They make all sorts of promises, but wait until God in His providence prevents their death. They forget all the vows that they made. They become worse than they were. Because repentance is not making vows. It's not saying, oh, I'm, not, I'm never going to do this again. That's not, that's not repentance. Oh, I vow this. I vow that. I'm never going to repeat. That is not what is, is at the heart of repentance. Because what is at the heart of repentance is change of heart. That comes from understanding the magnitude of sin. The one who has been sinned against. Therefore turning from it. People make vows because sin is painful. Not necessarily because sin is sinful. Thinking that they have repented only to to have deceived themselves. And deceiving others as well. The vow against sin um, quickly ends as soon as the pain ends. As soon as the, the person is out of the deathbed, their vow is quickly forgotten. Take for example a child being disciplined by their parent. They've, they've done something wrong and the father comes and grabs them. Hmm? Grab, grabs them at the waist. Tightens the, yeah, their clothes. Takes the rod. Starts to discipline what, what does the child do? They scream. They vow how they will never repeat what they have done. Only for the pain to go away and for them to go back again. Brethren, repentance is not vowing against sin. It's not. Take the husband who has been unfaithful to his wife and the wife threatens to divorce him. And it dawns on them that their marriage is on the verge of breaking. Because the wife has said, I'm going to leave you. You have been unfaithful to me. Not once, not twice, I will leave. And when it dawns on the husband that this is a serious matter, they seem to be repentant. They start vowing how they are never going to do it again. They imagine the pain that it will bring with it and they say they will never repeat. Not because they have quite seen the magnitude of what they have done. No, no, no. But because they, they see they see that this, this, this will be very painful. Repentance is not making many vows, my friends. When you sin, in however way you sin, and you make so many, many vows, that is not true repentance. True repentance is a clear understanding of what sin is, who God is, and a turning away from sin. True change of heart. We all need this, my brethren. We, we all need this because many times we deceive ourselves. Many times we say, I will never repeat this. 
Many times we think of the terrors that may befall us because of the sins that we have committed. And because of that, then we, we go ahead to make these vows. And we think we have truly repented. No, true repentance is a change of heart, a true understanding of sin, who God is. People make vows also because they fear death. They fear hell. Death and hell seem to be so apparent. So they make, they make so many vows. Now, make, make no mistake, God does use the terrors of hell to bring us to his fold. But then, at, at the same time, sin is exposed for what it truly is. The Lord Jesus Christ, with all his loveliness, is magnified as he, as he should. But in this other case, it is just fear of future evil which brings out the self-love which produces a million vows that masquerade as repentance. So that once there is calm, the vow that seemed, seemed to be so resolute in the storm will disappear immediately. Once things have cooled down, once there is no terror, that vow that was made completely disappears. Number three, repentance is not living many sinful ways. Repentance is not living many sinful ways. What do I mean here? <clears throat> You see, one may know that they have sins, right? You may know that you, you have many sins. And they may seek to leave them, but not all of them. That's what I mean. Repentance is not, is not deciding that you're going to... You, you've left so many other sins, but then there are others you, that you still cling to. That, that's not true repentance. Leaving sin is not a small matter. But are we going to, uh, uh, the question is, are we going to part with all sin? Or are we going to part with so many other sins that we think are very bad, but then there are these that we cling on to? Living many sinful ways, yet not living all sinful ways, is not quite repentance. One may part ways with sin, yet not be repentant. Because there may be still other sins that we cling to. And so you may part with some sins and not all of them. This is not true, true repentance. For example, <clears throat> you may be willing to part with all that is called evil apart from that which you love, that which you cherish, that which you do not necessarily think is evil. So that you may have decided that you're going to part with sin but then, because you don't necessarily think it is evil, you are not willing to part with it. Because, you, because there is something that you love, you are not willing to part with it. Take, for example, drunkards. This is what drunkards do. It's exactly what drunkards do. Drunkards say, oh, I have left this. I have left this. I don't do this. I don't do this. But they are unwilling to part ways with uh, the bottle. They're not willing to uh, leave their drunkenness. They will justify it with all sorts of things. Even blaspheming the word of God. Thieves. 
People will steal from their employers, steal from others, and justify it with all sorts of, of things. Steal from God. Justify it with all sorts of things. So that you may have vowed to live all sorts of sins, but because this one you love, this one you cherish, this one you don't think is, is so bad. You don't leave it. Sexual immorality. Justifications upon justifications. And that's not true repentance. You may part with one sin so that you may get chance to indulge in another one. So, so what I mean is this. Number one, you may part with some sins but not all of them. Number two, you may part with one sin so that you may indulge into another sin. And that's what I mean when I say repentance is not living many sinful ways. Repentance is living all sin. Turning away from sin. It's, it's not living so many sinful ways and then you think now, ah, repentant. It's actually living everything that is called sin. So that you may part with one sin and then you know, get get chance to commit other sins, to indulge in another one. For example, you may part with the laziness, um, the, the sin of laziness, so that you may indulge in theft at work. Isn't that what many public servants are doing? Uh, they call public servants or civil servants. Hmm? They want to work. They are parting ways with laziness. But then they go to work to steal. You see, they, they leave one sin to get into another sin. To indulge in another one. So that they may claim to be very hardworking. Policemen. We work so hard, yet we are paid peanuts. And then they justify their, bribe, their bribery. They justify their... How about you? What sins are you parting with so that you may indulge in others? Hmm? You've parted with you've parted with the sin of neglecting the gathering of the saints. But then are you committing the sin of dead heartless worship? Coming to church irreverently, singing terribly. Amazing grace. Singing the way you want. Listening, <laughs> sleeping during prayer times and during the sermons. You part with, ways with the sin of neglecting the gathering of the saints, but then you come and embrace and indulge. The scene of the dead, heartless worship. You see, true repentance is not living many sins. True repentance is living all sins. Every sin. You may part with sin 
because you feel that it is not wise for you to do it. So, so what I mean here is that, number one, you may part with some sins, but not all of them. Number two, you may part with some sins so that you may indulge in, in others. And then lastly, number three, you may part with sin because you don't feel that it is wise for you to do it. Not because sin is evil. Sin is sinful, but because you don't, you don't quite think that it is wise for you to walk like that. You have not necessarily seen the sinfulness of sin. You just think that it is, it is not very wise to engage in it. You know, some people don't get, 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 get drunk, not because it is a sin not to be drunk. Sorry, not because it is a sin to be drunk, but because they were told by the doctor that it will harm their health. So they decide, ah, I'm not going to indulge in that. You know, others don't indulge in sexual immorality, not because it is a sin, but because they are educated about STIs. They know what, what those diseases are. They decide they are not going to do it. And so you see, this is not true repentance. Huh? Where you part with sin because you feel that it is not wise for you to do it. True repentance is parting with sin because sin is sinful. Because sin is offensive to God. It clinches its fist against God and refuses to do what God says. That's why we part with sin. That's what true repentance is. We are going to consider this more in the coming weeks. Is there anyone that has a comment or a question? I'd like to end it there. Comment, question. So we've looked at um, why we are studying this and what repentance is not. Next week we will begin to consider what is repentance. Um, what is true repentance? Let's pray. We thank you, our Heavenly Father, that we, we have the privilege of gathering as your people and considering uh, such a wonderful matter as that of repentance. Because <clears throat> this is a thing that you've given for the good of your people, for the good of the sinner, that they may turn away from their sin. Help us to see the importance of this matter the importance that the scriptures lay on this matter that we may also consider it with all seriousness help us to see what it is not so that we may not be deceived to be repenting while we are not and in the coming weeks Lord we pray that you may help us to be able to clearly see what it means to repent what it means to turn away from our sins and to turn to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ please bless us with these things Accept our worship today. Hear us. Because we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.